Welcome to the Lord of Love podcast, where we believe that self-healing is a spiritual journey and your success on that path is inevitable. I'm an expert self-healing guide, a mentor for women who are on their life transformation journeys. I'm also a success coach and a deep advocate of plant medicine, which I talk about a lot on the show. But the Lord of Love podcast isn't about me. It's about helping you move one step closer to your dream life and creating the reality you deserve. Whether you are healing chronic illness, childhood trauma, financial blocks, or you just want to love yourself more in this lifetime, you're in the right place. Join me every week as we talk about spiritual principles, conscious life creation, and success strategies to expand your mind, heal your heart, and bring you back home to yourself. Okay, here we go. Hello, my gorgeous family. Hello, hello. (sighs) I just spent the entire day out in nature with my husband and it was so nice so needed i've been like moving 20 million miles an hour in my business and taking a day to be with him was just so sweet it was so special if you guys don't know i know we've talked a little bit in the show about my relationship with my husband he is the nerdiest regular man i've ever met he's so special he's not regular but i share that because a big thing that has always come up when I talk about Matt is like, you know, how does he feel about all this stuff you do? And like, you're so public and he's so private and you're so spiritual and do all this plant medicine and he doesn't do anything. And so, um, yeah, this has been just something that has always been on the radar of our dialogue. And it's just so cool to bring you guys into those conversations. We actually, a while back, did an episode together on the podcast. You go check it out. We'll put the link to that episode in the show notes of this one. And it was really cool, like giving him an opportunity to show up and share. You know, relationships are so interesting. They're like one of our greatest spiritual teachers. And I really do feel like the partners that we manifest in our life are here to really advance us in our study of healing and love and patience and empowerment and unlearning codependency there's just there's so much here to talk about I've been in my relationship with Matt for quite a while we started dating in 2015 and uh, since then we've just been in this really beautiful relationship we got married in Sedona on Cathedral Rock in 2018 and It's just been a really beautiful journey healing my wounds around my father, healing my wounds around the masculine, my wounds around femininity. It's like, you know, when you're in a good relationship with a partner, you do some of the deepest work of your life. (laughs) You probably know this. Um, I have just gone through such a crazy journey of like projecting my trauma onto our relationship and I'm sure many of you guys can relate And it's interesting because, you know, I think that while relationships are 
really a very deep spiritual teacher, I also think that being single holds a really, really deep space for our healing as well. One of the things I'm so grateful for is the amount of time I took in between my deep, serious relationships before Matt came into my life and I had, you know, been through a divorce and a difficult relationship and uh, coming into, you know, a season of my life where I just dedicated myself to being with myself. It was one of the most powerful things I could do. And so I just had this feeling like over the last couple of months that I really wanted to bring someone into our world here on the Lauren of Love podcast to talk about the dynamics of being single and embracing yourself and finding yourself and healing through that space. And I'm really, really excited to feature our beautiful guest here on the show. Just so honored to bring this sister on to share a little bit with you guys, Juliet Marie. She's a healing guide. And I absolutely love this girl. She is just such a light. She's the founder of the Healing House Temple, which is a beautiful, safe space for people to grow, heal, and connect. She's in Arizona. She's the co-owner of Awaken and Rise Retreats. And she's a life coach, yoga instructor, sound healer, and retreat facilitator. And it was really cool. We got to sit down and talk about her journey in her relationship dynamics and her process of embracing being single and going deep into her dynamic with herself. I feel like this episode has so much to teach every woman, no matter who you are. There's pure medicine here in this conversation. And in the dialogue, what's really cool is that in this interview, at some point you'll hear as you guys drop in, um, we kind of transition into this place where like she actually starts asking me a lot of questions and it's like, well, I want to know this about your relationship. I want to know that about your relationship. And it was just so cool to have that dialogue and to be so open going back and forth. So this conversation is covering the whole umbrella of being in relationships, uh, relationships with yourself, relationships with others, and the healing journey that relationships have to offer. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to hear more about my journey with Matt, we'll put, like I said, a link to our shared episode in the show notes. And we'll also put all of Juliet's information into the show notes as well. Please go check her out. She's just such a light, such a beautiful sister, such medicine to share. I'm so excited to have this episode here on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy, drop in, and have fun listening to this one, guys. I'll see you on the other side. Really quick, I want to let you guys know of something special that's happening in these summer months inside of the Lauren of Love brand. We are about to open doors for my signature group program called Heal. This is a life transformation journey specifically designed to walk women through the healing method that has transformed my life and hundreds of women's lives who have joined this program. Inside of the HEAL journey, you receive a step-by-step process of self-healing complete with journal workbooks, audio meditation activations, trainings, and live group coaching calls. Now, the best part about this is that right now we are about to gear up to open the doors for our discovery calls. So I want you to just stick around, have a visit, laurenoflove.com heal. If you put your name on the wait list, you will receive an exclusive invitation to book a discovery call with me. 
This will help you identify if Heal is a right fit for you. And I look forward to getting to know you more deeply on that call. So again, to check out the details, to see the testimonials, course breakdown, and all of the magic, go to laurenoflove.com slash heal. By putting your name on that wait list, you will get an invitation to book an amazing discovery call. I can't wait to get to know you and see you there. Okay, here we are in a a beautiful conversation, opening up a portal of dialogue around relationships, intimacy, partnership, boundaries, trauma, worthiness. I feel like there's, we're going to open up so much dialogue today. So I'm really happy to be sitting here with you, Juliet, and to have this conversation. Um, It's so funny because like right now, I'll just share this before we drive into our conversation. Um, Right now, I'm moving through healing a lot around my relationship with my partner. And we have some episodes that we're recording together. I have a training that's releasing around relationships on the same day that we're recording this. So it feels like we're in the season of like really connecting to our heart, right? And and yeah. I think maybe what we could start with is um, just the simple question of like, what does it for you... What does being in a right, healthy relationship with a partner look like? So I think with a healthy person, you should feel at peace and feel at ease. And there's that quote by the Buddha that if you find the right person, you should just feel calm. I don't know exactly the quote, but we're so, so many people are attached to finding someone that they feel their heart is beating so fast and it's this up and down roller coaster ride and the chaos and the cat and mouse chase and the thrill and the adrenaline rush. And I feel that we're in a society where we want that thrill, the dopamine hits and the serotonin. And we're so addicted to the stimulation because of our phones and media. And when things are healthy, it could be very boring because it's calm and people aren't used to calm. People Mm -hmm. are used to chaos and toxicity and trauma bonds and I feel that we want that rush and that exhilaration and that euphoria, but is that healthy? You know, that's the question. What is healthy? And I think we're all navigating what is a healthy relationship because we see the movies, right? And we see, you know, Instagram feeds of people and we have this illusion of this is how it's supposed to be. But I'm still curating my definition of what is healthy? Because I don't want something boring. You know, (laughs) I do want the rush and I do want the thrill. Um, My parents have been married 46 years. So I've, and they're very, very happily married and it's rare. I've never seen parents that are so in love and so happy. And so many people, our generations have not seen two parents in love and happy. So my dad has set the bar and the pedestal so high for me. That's why I'm in this position where I've been single for five years and I won't settle because I'm like, I know what a healthy relationship is like in a healthy man. Can you, can you talk a little bit about like, I know you and I, we've connected in the spiritual realm of personal growth, expansion. Um, You've been on a beautiful journey of healing aspects of your relationship with yourself. And, And today we're really talking about this dynamic of partnership. I'm so curious to hear a little bit more about the journey that led you to committing to being single and 
um, what happened and we can kind of riff on this too. Like what, what were the experiences that you had prior to making that choice to be single and to do the, like the stay on your mat, look at yourself, do your work kind of experience. So my whole life from age like 15 to like, I don't even know, maybe 20, 25, I was severely codependent. I had no self-worth. I had no identity. I didn't even know who I was. I always had to have a boyfriend. My self-worth, my identity, everything was, I had to be with someone. And if I wasn't with someone, I was like, I can't breathe. I don't even know who I am. Mm-hmm. I, and there's a lot of people like that, that go from one relationship to another, to another, and they can't be alone. And I was that girl. And so I would find my hobbies, my interests, my behaviors all in a partner. And I would kind of clone to whoever I was dating at the time. They were my sense of self-worth. They were my identity. They were my best friend. So I didn't really have hobbies or interests or friends outside of the relationship. It was like everything revolved around a man. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And so when I was 20, I was in a five-year relationship and I was with a man that was 26 years older. I was 20 and he was 46. And, you know, I was very like, let me follow whoever I'm with. I look up to them like they're God. And it became a very toxic, unhealthy relationship. And I stayed and because I didn't have the self-worth and I was just love me, love me, love me, love me. I want love. I want affection. Um, and so after that relationship from age 20 to 25, I was single for five years. So this is my second round of being single for five years, doing the self-work and self-healing and finding out who I am. And now I think I'm on the other extreme where I'm so hyper-independent that I'm like, I, I don't even know how to be with somebody because now I've created the sense of self-worth. I've created this identity. I've created this business. And now I'm afraid if I open up to a partner, I'm going to lose who I am because I have in the past. Mm. But I feel there's a middle ground and I'm searching for that right now because I've always been all or nothing. Like I'm in a relationship, I drop everything, I fall hard or I'm on my own happy. Yeah. So like finding that balance. Yeah, I think it's the extremism that we're really conditioned to um, believe is the truth of reality. You know, like we're taught where, you know, you're either the single, hypervigilant, independent, successful, like like women who are business women, right? I remember seeing that when I was like in my corporate life, that there were women who I looked up to who were really successful, but they were single women and they were like in their 60s and had achieved all these big things and they were so hyper independent. And then there was the mom with the white picket fence in the house and the, you know, taking care of the kids. And so there was never this real, um, there was never an evidence for me where I was like, okay, here's what it looks like when you're your own independent person. And you're also in a relationship. Like my mom, for example, like she was a wife. That was just it. You know, she lost her identity to like be in her dynamic with her relationship. And so I really relate to what you're saying. And I think a lot of women do um, finding that ability to say, okay, you know, I want intimacy. I want love. I want connection, but I also want my life. I want my freedom. I want my independence. Um, But let's talk, can we talk about like the trauma components that have like led you to this point here? Um, 
because I did the same thing. I know I'm talking a lot here, but like what's coming through for me is like I was in relationships where I did not know who I was unless I was in a partnership and I always needed a boyfriend. Where do you think that comes from looking back now? I think it's low self-esteem and low self-worth. When I was young, I was very shy. I was very, um, I had a lot of anxiety. I didn't know, I couldn't feel comfortable in my own skin. And so it goes back to childhood of that feeling of not feeling enough, not feeling worthy, not feeling like, you know, capable on my own. And when I found a partner, it was like, wow, someone loves me and somebody wants to be with me. And I think it goes back to your self-love and self-confidence because you're looking for someone else to love you. But if you really love yourself, that's just an addition. Somebody else is the addition. Did your mom like like if you look at why I'm always so fascinated by this, why as women, we grow up as little girls with no self-esteem. Why do you think that was created within your relationship with yourself? I feel that I was bullied a lot and I think it started in school. Um, I was in, I lived in Connecticut, upper middle class, very competitive. And the kids were such bullies. And I remember Actually, I see old VHS tapes of me when I was little singing and dancing and just so full of life and so happy. And then when you go to school, there's bullies. And not only were the students bullies, the teachers were even bullies. Yes. It got to the point where I didn't even want to go to school anymore. So I think it started in school. And I think because I was given so much love by my parents so much love, which a lot of people have it. My parents always told me, you're so beautiful. They praised me, words of affirmation all the time. They sheltered me. They praised me. They gave me so much love. But I think the real world, they didn't prepare me for the real world because when I went out in the real world, it was very cruel. And I didn't have the, I didn't know what, you know, people being mean was like because I never experienced that in my own home. So it hit me even harder because I was so sheltered and babied and loved that the real world was scary. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. My, my mom also says to me, she's like, I, I wish, cause you know, now my mom and I, do you, do you talk with your mom about your trauma openly? Like, do you share? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's been really healing for me. And I've been talking to her about stuff and she says like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I just didn't know. I, I just didn't grow up in these environments. I had no idea. Um, you know, it's, it's like almost as if our parents are naive to like what we need to know. You know what I mean? Well, my mom always says, I wish I would have prepared you. I wish I would have made you tough and, you know, joked around with you because they never used sarcasm. I didn't even know what sarcasm was. Like I took everything literally because my parents never teased me or were sarcastic. So I didn't realize what was people being playful and what was real and what wasn't real. And so going to school was like scary. It was a whole different world. And you might say we should have prepared you for that. And they tried to shelter me and parents do the best that they can. They really do the best that they can. But the school, I think if I, maybe if I was homeschooled, I was homeschooled in sixth grade. That was the grade I told my parents, I'm not going back. And my mom took me out and homeschooled me. And Um, but I think sometimes I feel like, okay, do I want to like homeschool my kids and shelter them? But you have to know how to integrate into the real world as well. Yeah. 
But a lot of things go back to childhood. Why do we attract unhealthy relationships? Why do we allow, you know, manipulation and abuse and toxicity? And where does the self-worth come from? It is deeper than these relationships that we attract. A lot of the relationships we attract are based on childhood wounds mm -hmm. and what we didn't get in our childhood or, um, you know, the big hot word now is trauma bonds that we find mm -hmm. someone that we both have a trauma and we bond. Um, so I feel that we're in a traumatized society right now when it comes to love and relationships and dating. And so many of my friends, you know, in their thirties, they're all going through the same thing right now. And I think marriage is different. Dating is different because there's online dating. Yeah. And everybody thinks, okay, I can get the perfect person. I could even go down to their um, height. They even have their height on there and, you know, their spiritual beliefs, their religious beliefs. Do they drink? Do they smoke? Do they want kids? Their political stance. They even have their vaccine status now. So yeah. it's like, we're finding this cookie cutter person. And it's like, when will it ever be good enough? And I think we go on these apps and we're trying to find perfection. And the thing is, there's no such thing as a perfect person. I have flaws. You have flaws. We all have flaws, but it's like, can we love someone imperfectly? And what is really important? You know, what's yeah. true important in a relationship? I wanted to ask you about that because in the time that you've been single for five years now, there have been non-negotiables for you of things that you've realized were important. Maybe we can talk about what has been the trauma that you went through in relationships in the past and how has that shifted or changed what is important to you now and what are those non-negotiables for you? Sure. So the five-year relationship um, I was in, I always have wanted to be a mother and he already had a child and I would always tell him, I want to be a mother. I want to be a mother. And he had no plans to ever have another child. And so now when I go into relationships, I want to find a man that wants to have children. And that's a, a lifestyle decision, I feel. That's non-negotiable for me because it's not for everyone. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. It's just a whole different lifestyle. And I think some people get into relationships where one person wants children and the other doesn't, and then they have conflict later on. So that's like a deal breaker right there. Um, a lot of people now aren't wanting children and that's okay. But I've always felt that I'm meant to be a mother. So that's one of the non-negotiables. Um, Love yeah, that. I love that. I'm like smiling for you. That gets me so excited. Yeah, my husband and I, when we both first started dating, we were like, um, I, I think I want kids. I don't know if I want kids. Maybe yes, maybe no. Like we were both there. And it's interesting because that openness has kind of evolved and danced over the last years that we've been together where we're still figuring that out. You know, we're still coming to that realization. So I think they're there are people who are, hell yes, this is like a soul knowing that I'm meant to do this. And I think that's a really important thing to say is like part of healing from past relationships is being able to truly identify what is a soul yes, non-negotiable for you and to not be um, compromising of that and to not feel guilty about that, to say this is actually a very important thing to me and I'm not willing to sacrifice that. So I love that you speak to that. Definitely. And it's good that you and your husband are on the same page where you're figuring it out together and you're navigating it together. Yeah. And it's not like one person, like, I want to do this right now. And the other person you're in the same, basically growth yes. as far as that goes. And so, yeah. I love that. <laughs>
I love that. What else do you feel like looking back on relationships from past was like a non-negotiable having, I think it's like this, having been through trauma in relationships, right? We both have. I think it's important to talk about the red flags, the signs, the things that are like, oh, hell no, I am not allowing that ever again. Um, so, so let's speak to that. What are those things? Well, I've been with a lot of guys that in the beginning, it's so intense, so fast. And they tell me I've never felt connection with anyone like this. And it's like the love bombing where they tell you everything you want to hear. They mirror everything. And it's so intense, so quick. And I started becoming attracted to these types. And then through dating, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then it would crash. And it was very toxic and fighting in the in the beginning of the relationship. I mean, the first month should be the honeymoon phase. You shouldn't be having, you know, five breakups in a month, which I had, I dated somebody uh, a year and a half ago. And I was like, wow, I met the guy. He's amazing. But it was like red flag after red flag um, where red flags could be anything from having the partner, not having healthy relationships in his life. If they have a lot of toxic relationships where they don't speak to their parents or they're, they they don't have friends and there's a lot of um, chaos and the hot cold, I've, you know, the last guy was a year and a half ago that I dated and it was only a month, but it was like, we were arguing and fighting every day and it would be hot, cold, hot, cold roller coaster of emotions. And then it would be like, he would idolize me and then devalue me and idolize me and then devalue me. And it was this whole cycle of narcissistic abuse where it was like, I was on cloud nine. I felt like I was on drugs. I felt like I was on ecstasy and then it was crash and then burn and then high and then crash and then burn. And I'm like the highs and the lows, it was, it could become like a drug and it could become addicting. And so when I meet guys now where it's so intense, so fast, and they're charming and they're good looking and they're charismatic and they're larger than life and they walk in and you feel mesmerized like a drug, I'm like, nope, nope, I've already been through this. I'm not repeating that cycle. And I think a lot of men, they come in and they just want to swoop you off your feet. Like they're, it's like, oh my gosh, I, and now I could recognize it and be like, okay, this, there's something off here. You know, I'm not getting fooled again. And part of me, I'm like, okay, is that my trauma speaking? Are they really a nice guy? Is that my trauma? Or is this a red flag and I'm able to recognize it now? So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find the difference and feel it out. Like, okay, what is trauma and what is truth? That's like, that is such a powerful point. And I, I think honestly, like just speaking as sisters on this topic, like I still navigate that question in my relationship with my partner after eight years of like, what is is trauma? What is truth? Because we are working in kind of this hallway of mirrors, you know, where like maybe we go through a relationship in the past and we think when we're in it, that it's like so amazing and so beautiful. And then on the other side, you're like, wait a minute, like that was not what I thought it was. Right. That was, manipulation that was narcissism that was gaslighting right like all of that stuff my relationship now I'm not having those conversations of like is he an evil narcissist or is he not like that that hallway of mirrors doesn't live there but the what is trauma what is truth always comes up because I'm finding myself like being triggered by things And identifying that there are certain needs that I have that maybe aren't being met, or there are certain things that 
I, I feel like are important to me that aren't being prioritized. And then I have to decipher between like, well, what is a truth for me versus like, is this a trauma wound that I'm like replaying out some pattern within myself? So I think that that's to be able to have that question come up. I think that's a really good study of your relationship with yourself, regardless of where you are in your relationship depth, you know? Um, yeah, self-reflecting. I think, you know, I'm just starting to go back out and date. And um, I think it's good to take time to self-reflect and be like, okay, how much of this is for my past experiences? Mm-hmm. And then how much of this is, you know, because we create stories in our mind and how much of this is real. And mm-hmm. sometimes we question our judgments and sometimes we just need to take a moment to sit back and maybe journal or reflect and process. And the answers always come. Our intuition always knows. And um, I'm just navigating everything and I'm still healing and going out and actually going on dates is showing up so much of my past trauma and wounds that I need to heal within myself. So it's like a mirror. You know, everybody uses that word mirror, but it, it truly is because people are reflecting back to you what you need to heal internally. And you heal in relationships because they show you things faster. Girl, they're like your deepest spiritual teachers. I feel like relationships are such a a deep, deep lesson of initiation and and learning about yourself, you know, like people, I used to get so wrapped up in like this narrative that I would always play is like, is he the one? Is he not the one? Is he the one? Is he not the one? You know, and you would dance in this kind of craziness. If you were in a relationship for six years, you would still be asking yourself that question. Right. And that to me, that was reflecting on that and doing so much inner work on myself. I realized that that dance was about my trauma, feeling like I couldn't actually sink into safety and feel, you know, be able to be present with what's here and what's now and not needing to know the answer to that question, but to say right now here, this is what feels aligned for me. And I'm trusting that, right? Like and holding that faith or right now this doesn't feel good and and taking that step to let go. Yeah. It's a hard study. Do you have any thoughts about um, like now that you're in this place where you're boundaries are solid and you're doing all this work, like seeing other sisters of yours who maybe are in relationships that are toxic or not healthy, does that bring anything up for you? And how do you navigate that? It's interesting. I do observe it, but I don't get attached to it because I feel that they're in their own process and it has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. I'm able to detach from that and say, okay, I've been there before. I understand, but this is where I am now. And I don't take it on as my own. And I think being an empath, learning how to separate yourself, like other people can have their own experiences and that has nothing to do with me. I'm going to let them explore their own process. And so, you know, I do observe others having, you know, different types of relationships and I just don't really have judgment towards them. And, you know, everybody's trying the best they can do and that's all we can do. We're navigating it together. And I was there one time I was in a, a few unhealthy, toxic relationships. And I can understand why people stay. Yeah. Um, it isn't bad all the time. There are great times. Um, that's the reason people stay. For sure. For sure. Now that you're single and you've been spending such a great deal of time with yourself, you know, what, what were some of the things that you had to navigate of being somebody who was kind of, um, 
a serial monogamous, right? Like a serial dater to then being somebody who was like committed to her relationship with herself. What, what were some things you had to work on, move through, change, shift, learn from? I think I had a lot more time for myself that I never had before. And I was like, wow, this is what it feels like to work on myself. I've never, cause I've always been involved in partners projects, what they're working on, what their goals, ambitions. And so all of a sudden I had this time to navigate, okay, who's Juliet? What is she like? What are her hobbies? What are her interests? What is her identity? And so I started to establish after my relationship that I was in five years ago, I started to establish myself and I created the healing house in Tempe, Arizona. I created a healing center for people to come. And then I started getting involved in camping and hiking and nature and getting into the earth and meditation, yoga, sound healing, journaling, reading, and really creating this sense of identity and sense of self and finding my voice, finding my confidence, finding who am I outside of a relationship? Cause I want to be whole and complete. Mm-hmm. So when I enter a partnership, there's two whole and complete people that know who they are. They have their self worth. They have their identity. And I think even entering a relationship, you should have your own hobbies, your own interests, your own um, friends, because so many relationships, when people break up, they lose everything because they don't have anything outside of each other. And I see with you, you have your own sense of self, your own interests, your own hobbies, your own philosophies and beliefs. And um, yeah, just really interesting to see because some people feel that they have to find a partner that's exactly like them, that they have to be doing the same things together and that they have to be on the same journey. But I feel that if you have a partner that is supportive, is respectful, is loving and caring and understands your journey. You can support each other, but have maybe different journeys. And I'm still trying to navigate that too, because I've always felt like, okay, I want a partner that's on this whole spiritual journey, the same journey that I'm on, that eats healthy, that meditates, that walks barefoot on the earth, that understands frequency and vibration and higher powers. And um, maybe it's limiting for me Mm. because- I've talked to my brothers who are not into the spiritual world. They're like, you are never going to find that. They're like, just date a normal guy. Why don't you just date a normal person? Like that Mm -hmm. actually like has a normal life. And I've always dated these different types of men that have been outside the box that aren't like mainstream. So I'm navigating, okay, can I date someone that is different than I am? And how do I navigate that? Um, So yeah, that's what I'm working. I love that you're being vulnerable to share that because it's something that my husband and I talk about often. You know, he says like, you know, Lauren, you want to be a spiritual person. And part of being spiritual is being open and loving and compassionate to all these different perspectives and ideas of life. And like, you have to be mindful too, in the spiritual world, there is this concept of group think where like, if everybody's eating bison and potatoes, you think you're supposed to eat bison and potatoes. If everybody's meditating on Tuesdays and yoni steaming, you think that that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And there's like this almost like a, I don't want to use the word cult, but like a, there's like a conformity or like a belief system that can be very like, yes, think group think everybody has the same ideologies. And 
part of being spiritual is about being open to different perspectives. And, you know, I can't say like, this is the thing. I think there are a lot of women out there who have the knowing of what is important to them. Like we were talking about before and they say, yes, absolutely. This is so important to me that I have a partner who's going to do breath work with me in the morning and we'll do sound healing when we're stressed and we're going to put our hands on our hearts and breathe together. Right. I, I think those things are very important to me as well, but I also really enjoy the process of watching somebody who never believed or experienced any of those things coming slowly, you know, and like, that's a gift that if I had been so specific, I wouldn't have been able to experience of like, what is it like when I lead and I get to like bring him into this world? Like today, he's like, I think I want to get a guitar. And I'm like, ah! Oh, um, music <laughs> like yes. So it's like you know, I I think it's different for everybody, and each side comes with its challenges. You know, like if you have two really big spiritual people, you're dealing with two really big spiritual egos. You know, and that's just like a whole different dynamic. Um, but yeah, when you, met, when you met your husband, uh, before you met him, you weren't really on this deep spiritual journey, were you? No. So I actually had my spontaneous awakening on our first vacation together. We had taken a trip to Arizona and we were on Cathedral Rock in Sedona. And I was like, I was still drinking a lot, smoking cigarettes, taking Prozac every day. So like my life was very different. Um, and then, then the issues and the struggles that we manifested started to show up as I evolved. And then all of like the shadow around that happens. Cause then when one partner's changing and the other partner's changing too, but just not the same way creates this really interesting, like conflict. You know what I mean? Definitely. You're growing. And a lot of relationships that aren't even spiritual people grow in different directions. And how do you navigate that when people are outgrowing each other and is there a way to realize why you're together in the first place and what brought you together and going back to the beginning and, you know, people grow and evolve and change and you think, oh, well, we have to grow in the same direction and, you know, navigating how will this dynamic work? And so I'm just really interested in, you know, your journey because yeah. you're on this whole spiritual path and it seems like your husband is understanding and accepting, but maybe not going there with you, but he, he's slowly warming up and you're having this patience for him and compassion and understanding, and you're not judging him and you're not forcing him where I think a lot of women in your position would be like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, aren't you going to come with me or they're just going to leave their partner behind because they're going to be like, I'm evolving past you and I can't relate to you anymore. So I'm sure that's been a, a dynamic that you've been working with or struggling with and trying to figure out like, how can we coexist when we're in different parts of our journey? Yeah. And, and to be clear, it's like, you know, also being transparent and real, I have moments of our timeline where I do get very triggered and forceful and annoyed. And like, why aren't you showing up to do these things? You know, I, I find that for me, there's a a wound of the girl I used to be and the men that manipulated and strung her along and just like made her believe that, you know, something 
like, how do I, how do I put this? Like if my husband says to me, like, I'm not ready to do something rather than actually hearing he's not ready to do something. I hear he's avoiding himself. He's not ma- he's making excuses. He's lazy. He's blah, 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 blah. You know, like I interpret and that can come up for me and present a lot of challenges because then I'm not holding safe space to actually believe what he's expressing. I'm judging him and I am trying to control. And so, yeah, those things do happen. They definitely happen for me on my timeline and I'm still learning how to, how to deal and how to cope with that. The issue I think that has is very present and prevalent is that when one person is deepening their awareness of themselves and like, you know, medicine work, spiritual work, sound work, breath work, all of these works, they're all focused on the individual getting to know themselves more deeply in a more vulnerable way. And when one person in a relationship is taking that deep dive and the other person is not, it's almost like you have to come back to their energy to meet them at that level again. And it creates uh, energetic conflict. It creates a, a, a fresh, yeah, a little bit of a separation, right? So it's like, we're learning how to navigate that. And the more I go deeply into myself, I see him taking these steps. And it's really about learning how to not subscribe to the story that his progress or his growth mean anything about me, right? Where I get frustrated is where I'm letting his timeline be too important to me, right? It's like I'm I'm subscribing or indulging in the belief system that he has to be a certain way in order for me to love him. And that's conditional love. So it's been a study, right? Definitely. Do you ever feel that if he doesn't engage in the practices that you facilitate, that he doesn't love you? No, I don't ever feel like he, it's not that he doesn't love me. I feel that he doesn't see me because what happens is like, I'll go into like plant medicine ceremonies. We were just talking about this actually today. Um, I'll facilitate a plant medicine ceremony and I'm like holding space for somebody who's crying and praying and like, bowing to me in gratitude and telling me how, how beautiful the facilitation is and how wonderful and spiritually connected they are. And like, I'm meeting that person at this real intimate depth, right? Like vulnerable level of state. And, and then I go home. And so I have this avatar that like I facilitate and I get to hold space and be in my power. And then I'm just normal Lauren when I'm home and he doesn't know that side of me. He's never seen me in those spaces. He's never been a part of those processes. So it feels like I'm Superman and Clark Kent kind of vibes of like, you know, this is one part of me and then this is the other part of me. And I feel that separation within myself. So it's not really about him needing to love me more. It's more about me feeling like I want him to see me more than he's already being able to. Does that make sense? Definitely. Why do you feel that when you go home, you have to be normal, Lauren? Can't you be the Lauren that you were in the ceremony? Absolutely. But what's important to note is that those containers, when you're spiritually in like a a plant medicine space, right? Something that my teacher talks a lot about is set and setting. And those containers are like little bubbles of portal energy. And for a lot of people who experience plant medicine, they struggle with the same exact thing. It's almost like 
you hear this from people who go to Tony Robbins events too, even that like they go and they have this big thing, this big experience, and then they get thrown into the regular world and they have to integrate the lessons of happiness, peace, love, sovereignty, empowerment, all the things, right? So that contrast of being in a ceremony container and then being in your regular life, that's something that exists for everybody. It's a practice of healing to integrate that everybody has to walk through, right? But as a facilitator and somebody who's been holding space for other people to do this work, the the contrast and the crash is even more intense because you're holding space for other people. You're you're holding the container itself, right? You I'm sure you do sound healing spaces as well. So you, yeah. you know when you're coming out of that, you're like in a high vibration or or you're exhausted and you need certain things. And then maybe if you go into the Walmart and you're around people, you're like, what's, oh my God, you know what I mean? You're just like, these are normal humans and I'm still high and I'm still buzzing. So yeah, it's just, it's a process. Um, And it's also for me, I think I'm learning how to do that, right? Like how to feel safe with your partner enough that you can actually seamlessly integrate these aspects of yourself it's a study right so I'm still learning too definitely it's a process that we have to be able to function in the real world mm-hmm. and I you know I've had some transformational experiences where I come back to reality and I'm like whoa there's such a contrast but then it's like we have to learn how to talk to people that aren't in the spiritual realm and not come from ego like we're higher that we are on this whole spiritual journey that we're better right? Correct. That we're all the same. We're all spiritual. Even if people aren't under doing plant medicines and people aren't walking barefoot and, you know, going into nature, we all are spiritual beings at the end of the day. And we're all on a spiritual, spiritual journey and recognizing that no one's better than another and that we're all the same. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, learning how to relate to people that aren't going through what you're going through. And I'm sure when you come back from these journeys, it's like, it could be very isolating if you go into the real world and it's like, okay, well, how do I function in society when they're not on this high that I'm on and they're not feeling and seeing and in touch with, with everything that I'm feeling and knowing how to be in two different realms almost. Exactly. I think about it like, um, like Hermione from Harry Potter, how she was like a muggle and you know what I mean? She had these two parents that were different. Like, I feel like that's almost what, the universe has given me in my dynamic with Matt, where like we're covering these two dimensions, these two worlds that are very much real and alive in our global scale, right? The human 3D logical, structural, masculine experience and the spiritual woo-woo matrix of, of beauty, right? That also exists. So not maybe the word matrix, because that's like a word that we associate with like the other side of things, but, but these two paradigms, right. They, they exist. They're both equally alive. And part of my journey as an entrepreneur, as a human, as a woman has been about allowing myself to feel safe and, and supported in both of those worlds at the same time. Right. And so it's definitely like something we joke about a lot where Matt is like, well, if you were married to the same version of you, like you would just be like 
dancing around rocks all day and like, you know, never shaving your legs and just being a hippie and, and, and there's a part and never paying taxes and like just being very like in the clouds. And I think, you know, for me, I value his difference. I value his individuality because he offers something to the table that I do not have as a skill set, right? And so it's- balance each other out because he has things you don't have and you have things that he doesn't have. Yeah, and to me, that's more important. Like when I hold space, not to say like, who knows what's gonna happen in 20 or 30 years of our relationship, but like right now in this moment, what feels very alive for me is to say, in my prayer is like, God, like fill in the gaps for me and who I manifest, right? It's not about like, let me get this person that has this and this and this and this and this. And I've decided this is exactly the picture perfect of what I need. You know, I'm really in that space of trusting to say, bring me somebody who fills in my gaps, right? Who allows my life to become enhanced because they offer something that I do not have. And they teach me something that I do not know. And they show me something that I haven't seen, you know? It's like, that's been the greatest gift, I think, of being in relationship with him is that he's been able to show me a lot of things I didn't know about. And he's showing you love in maybe different ways, like supporting your business and, yeah. you know, working in the scenes and being a supporter and, you know, all have different ways of showing love and there's ways he's there for you Absolutely. in ways that spiritual man wouldn't be. Um, hundred percent. And I've dated spiritual men. My last serious relationship was, was a spiritual guy and he was so much fun. And we would talk about all the spiritual woo-woo things, but there was no um, security. There was no stability mm. and it was so much fun and it was so exciting. And we would go on all these adventures, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I can't build a foundation with this person because they're not grounded. And there was no, you know, building a home together. It was like, I don't know, I'm going to just live in a tent and, you know, <laughs> live in a van, go down. I don't know. Like, it was fun. He would be, you know, for, we'd be foraging fruit off trees and going into nature and all the fun hippie stuff, but there was no stability. So it's like, maybe Matt has this sense of stability and he's grounded in a way that's structure and organized and keeps you grounded when you're up in the clouds, he might bring you back to reality. That you yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's like, and that's the thing, like, I, I love that aspect of life, right? The foraging and the tenting and just being wild and impulsive and not knowing where the world is going to take you. And the reason I'm able to root down into those energies within myself is because I have a masculine structure that's holding me, you know? Definitely. So, yeah. So for you, I mean, you've, what, for, for like the guidance of intention of who you want to date and what you want to bring into your life. Um, have you gotten clear on the values of like, do you need a spiritual person to be in partnership with? So I have a list. It's really interesting. So everybody says, make a list. I found a list from 2018 and I'm rewriting it because what was important then now it's not as important now. And I feel for me, I want someone to just believe in a higher power. Mm -hmm. That's important for me. It really is because it's a way of seeing life and they don't have to be, um, you know, super spiritual, believing there's more mm -hmm. um, active, you know, dating an atheist or something like that. That would be very, that would be very hard for me because I feel like conversations would be very difficult. Yeah. Um, and also if, 
you know, I do want to be a mother bringing up kids, having the same spiritual beliefs, raising children, because that could be a conflict if people are, you know, raising children with different ideologies, which I want to teach my children that they can find their own beliefs. Mm -hmm. A lot of parents, you know, will have a certain religion and say, okay, this is what you have to believe. And so when I was a child, I actually, my parents exposed me to all religions and yeah. And they said to me, it's all, we're all one. I mean, I had very interesting parents where they gave me, they said, we're all one. They're just different names that at the end of the day, we're all the same. And That's how many parents? They- None. That's amazing. And people have trauma with with a religion as well. So that's a whole nother topic. But um, believing in something greater than yourself. Um, on my list, I have someone that, you know, has the security, financial security, because I feel like the men that I've dated in the past that have been fun and been hippie and artistic and spiritual and musicians, I haven't had that financial stability. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, you don't have to be a multimillionaire, but let's be responsible with money and spending and you could be fun, but also grounded and Mm. finding has been a challenge because a lot of men that I found that are so much fun, they don't, they're lacking um, the money mindset. They have a very poor money mindset. And so for you being a spiritual entrepreneur, a lot of people that are very spiritual, they have such a poor money mindset. Mm -hmm. So you have this, you know, container holding you with your husband of, money and finances. And I remember hearing like a podcast of him, like helping you with taxes or whatever. And it's like, you had no concept of all of that behind the scenes, you know, and you have built such an empire with your business. And I feel from my observation is that your husband has been a grounding force. And if you were to have a spiritual man, that's, you know, running around, you know, in the woods, would he be there for you supporting you? And would you be as successful? So that's always something to consider. Yeah. You know, I, I tell people a lot about this because I do work with a lot of women one-to-one for business coaching. Right. And they ask this question. And for me, having Matt is the reason why we've been able to get from like a $30,000 a month to like an $80,000 a month milestone, because he knows how to hold structure and strategy. And he's the reason why I have time freedom He's the reason why we've gotten so organized and have multiple offers that generate passive revenue. It's because of his masculine energy. And so this is like, you need both, right? You need stability and groundedness. And I love that you're putting financial uh, responsibility as a priority because he, I am not, I'm like, I have a credit card. I want that thing. I'm going to go get it. And I have like, I just get what I want. Right. And he's more like, wait a minute, let's think about this. Let's plan, you know, let's sit down. And, and I think it's important. Both energies are important. So yeah. Playful, fun, free spirited. Let's go, you know, be whimsical and free and Mm. like, okay, here's the structure and the organization. So I feel like combining those two forces, you both have something that when you put it together, it's like, look what you created. No, oh, thank you for seeing that. Yeah, it's so special. Thank you. Yeah, I love this conversation. This is so beautiful. And speaking of, we have a podcast interview to record. So I want to take a moment and say thank you for such an open dialogue today. What is one final thought, Juliet, that you would like single women out there to know? 
I think just keeping your heart open. I think a lot of women getting back into the dating field and the dating world after maybe a divorce or breakup is keeping your heart open, but remembering to work on yourself first. Mm -hmm. So not right into another relationship, finding your sense of self, finding your sense of worth, knowing what you want, knowing what you bring to the table, finding the love within self-love, self-confidence and giving to yourself and knowing that the next person should add to your self, not take away. And that the next person will support you finding someone that supports you and loves you unconditionally. And that's my message. (laughs) I love it. Thank you for being here. Um, For everybody who's resonating and jiving with Juliet, we're going to put all of your contact information in the show notes of today's episode. Please reach out, share, tag us, all the things. And thank you for doing this work on yourself and for calling in this beautiful, clear picture for your future. I love it. Thank you so much for having me.